Karen and I never talk about who the boss in our home is because Jesus Christ is the boss in our home. I'm Jimmy Evans, co-host of the Marriage Today podcast. Today we have a great teaching for you that I pray grows your marriage and blesses you as you seek to center your marriage on Christ. Be sure to subscribe to this podcast channel to be notified of every new show. God bless you. The other thing about control is it prevents trust and intimacy. Karen and I, when I was controlling our relationship, we had no intimacy whatsoever. You you can't. Uh, University of California did a study, a very intense study years ago of uh, marriage and control. And they took 130 newly married couples and they tracked them for five years. And what they were trying to find was what is the secret of a happy marriage. And so they they interviewed these couples over a period of five years. And at the same time that they were studying the 130 couples, they had another group of couples that had been married for a while and they were also studying them. At the end of the study, they decided the number one factor that creates the goodwill and happiness of marriage is shared control of the relationship. And they found if one person controls the other, the intimacy and satisfaction of the marriage drops dramatically. You simply can't be intimate with someone who's controlling you because it, it violates us. We know it's wrong. Okay. The next thing is it, pre- it presents a distorted image of God to our children. God put his image on Adam and Eve and then commanded them to multiply. And, and so parents are image bearers of, their, uh, of God to their children. So God wants us as parents to train our children. We don't dominate. Mom and I respect each other. We, we talk to each other respectfully. We make all of our decisions together. But when children, and most of us, have grown up in a home where one parent dominated the other one, and it distorts the image. See, there's God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. Who's in control? Yes, they all are. They have a harmon. Uh, we have a, the Trinity. Our God is three in one. Our God is one, manifested in three persons. Does the Father dominate the Son? No. Does the Son dominate the Holy Spirit? No. Does the Holy Spirit dominate the Son or the Father? No. They live in a triunity of equality. God the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Our relationship in marriage is a Christ-like man, a Holy Spirit-like woman, with God in the middle of it. It is a triune relationship of equality. And obviously, we're under God, but we're also the bride of Christ. So this is it's a beautiful thing. So God curses control. Wherever you find a relationship where there's control, it's gonna be cursed there. So why do we control? Let's talk about the causes of control. Why do people control each other? One is pride. We just believe that we're better. Um, I grew up in a family system, not so much my father, but my grandfather and a lot of our family, the men were chauvinists. Um, and we believed that we were better than women. When I married Karen, I just believed that men were better than women. I, I just did. Um, and I thought, and Karen, I just thought Karen doesn't train very well. Uh, Karen's not like the other female relatives that were just real sweet and did what the men said. And it's just going to take me a little while to train her. And uh, she did not train well at all. And uh, finally, one day, the Lord broke through my heart and said to me, She's your equal. And, um, and I sinned. Uh, chauvinism is a sin. It is a sin for men to believe they're better than women or women to believe they're better than men. And uh, we're equal. In Christ, there's neither male or female, and men and women are absolutely equal in the sight of God. And men and women, husbands and wives are totally equal. 
But you realize that uh, uh, a lot of people just believe for some reason that they have some kind of a divine right to dominate somebody else because they're better, but we're not. The second reason is deception. Uh, there are teachings that teach that men are better than women and that, men, that women should submit to men in the sense that men are better than women, biblically. It's wrong teaching. Everywhere I go, as, as often as I can, I teach that we're equals because we are. And the only way you're gonna have a satisfactory marriage is, is to be equals. And if men are the head of the home, if they are the head of the home, they're there to sacrificially serve their wives as Jesus does with themselves being the last consideration, with the husband being the last consideration if we're the head of the home. Okay, and there's nothing wrong with that. Women don't mind that. But during the Civil War, preachers in the South preached that whites were better than blacks and that blacks deserved to be uh, under the authority of whites. They used the Bible to teach that, which is an absolute bunch of baloney because we're all the children of Adam and Eve, and regardless of our skin color, our heart is the same color. Our blood is the same color, and we're all children of the same God. But there are people who are deceived into believing that somehow that their race is better than someone else's. Another reason that we dominate is because of an unsubmitted, unsanctified cleric personality. Cleric means strong. And there are some of you that you're just strong. You're, you're strong people, you're, I'm, I'm that way. I have a naturally strong personality and I like to lead, I like to make decisions. I've never been insecure in that. But, but the problem is when that's unsanctified. So when, when Karen and I first got married, I had a strong personality, but it wasn't, it wasn't submitted to God. And it wasn't filled with the Holy Spirit. See, the Holy Spirit gives us love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, self-control. When the Holy Spirit, my personality, when it's baptized in the Holy Spirit, it becomes kind and good. And my strength is there to benefit other people, not to dominate other people. But some people, and there are just as many strong women as strong men, but some people that have strong personalities um, feel like that they, you know, it gives them the right to dominate others. Let, let me say this. We, we marry according to our level of emotional health. Health marries health and unhealth marries unhealth. This is my man hand. This is my woman hand. I had very high self-esteem. Never had a struggle with self-esteem growing up. But I had too high of self-esteem. Karen had extremely low self-esteem. And so we were a match because we accommodated each other. She needed my strength because she has such low self-esteem. She needed someone with confidence. And I was so arrogant, I needed someone who would allow that, okay? So did it work? It was a nightmare. We got married and Karen resented the fact that I dominated her and I disrespected her because she was so weak. And so what happened was, and, and by the way, I was this, you always marry according to your level of emotional health. Health marries health, unhealth marries unhealth. So women who are very strong will typically find a real sweet, quiet man that puts up with it. And they're disrespect, they don't, it doesn't work because she disrespects him, she doesn't respect him because he's weak, and he doesn't respect her because he feels emasculated. So this doesn't work. So we got married, and Karen was the one who started to get healed. She began to pray, she began to spend time with God, and she began to stand up to me. And I thought, you don't do that to me, girl. And you, she did this. Well, it, what happens is like a teeter-totter. When the other person over here changes, the equation changes. So when Karen began to stand up, it forced, it, she was trying to force me. She just walked up to me and said, don't talk to me like that. And I think, you don't talk to me like that. Women don't talk to men like that. When I'm upset, my voice goes up. You, so, you don't talk. 
So I just thought, what, what do you think you're doing standing up to me like that? Well, she did this. She was healthy. She was standing up to me. And so I told her to get out of the house. The, the, the night she stood up to me related to golfing. I'd been golfing and I came in and she told me, I want you to be home. I want you to be with the kids. I want you to stop playing golf so much. And I just told her, you get out. You'll pack your bags and get out. And that was the night that the Lord broke through my heart. But understand this, this we were here. You, you may be in a marriage and you're here, okay? You, you can change. In fact, let me say, by this time next week, you'll be fine. It's not that hard. This is not, you know, set in concrete. So let me say, so how does it change? The dominant person just has to sit down. You just have to decide, I don't want to dominate people anymore. This doesn't work. This, this just isn't working. The, this person really is pretty easy to change because they're so strong-willed. And so what I say to, to dominant people like me is, get over yourself. Sit down. Start, start listening. Start seeking other people's opinions. Stop being so dominant and all that. So sit down. This person needs to stand up. Okay, so uh, in our case, Karen started standing up to me. God humbled me, and I began to sit down. And so we, you know, we were like this, and now we're here because Karen dominates me. She's way too healed. I've asked Jesus to take away some of her healing. I want her like here. But the sister's way too healed. So, but it just simply doesn't work. So if you have a strong personality, you may be raising children. And you notice that you have a son or a daughter that has a strong personality, teach them to respect other people and teach them not to use their strength to disrespect and control other people. Because they'll never be successful in a relationship if they do. Uh, another reason that we control is fear or feeling out of control. Uh, the most dominant people I've ever met are fearful people, the period, period. In marriage counseling, when I find people who are very, very controlling. And I'm telling you, you can't believe, I could tell you stories, you couldn't believe uh, the level of control that I've seen, almost criminal, almost kidnapping kind of control of one person absolutely dominating every aspect of another person's life. Okay, so here's a, an excerpt from a book called The Gift of Fear. And this book is about control. And in fact, a lot of it is about predatory criminals. Another characteristic common to predatory criminals, and many other people as well, is their perceived need to be in control. Think of someone you know who you might call a control freak. That person, like most violent people, grew up in a chaotic, violent, or addictive home. At a minimum, it was not a home where, uh, it was a home where parents did not, not act consistently and reliably where love was uncertain or conditional for him or her Controlling others became the only certain way to predict their behavior. And so when a person grows up in chaos or pain, many times they'll make an inner vow. We're going to talk about that in a couple of weeks. They'll make an inner vow like this. No one will ever control me again. No one will ever hurt me again. Those are very dangerous. We do that to comfort ourselves. We don't do it because we're evil. We do it to comfort ourselves. That ends up being extremely, extremely problematic later on. And we'll talk about that again in a couple of weeks. The, the last is simply not trusting God with our lives and the people, problems and issues of our lives. Not trust, and this is the big one. When you don't trust God to, to, with people, you end up trying to be God in, those, in that person's life. Let me say this about Karen, or if you're married. There are, there are things about Karen I just can't change. I can go to Karen and I can say, Karen, this and this and this, but uh, you know, sometimes she doesn't see it, you know, or, or she'll say something to me. 
So in marriage, I have to go get in my prayer closet when I'm praying and say, Lord, if what I'm saying to Karen is the truth, would you change her? Would you show her? If you're submitted to a boss or something like that, and you have to, you have to trust God to change someone's heart. You, you, if, and if you don't trust God, you're going to naturally try to manipulate, intimidate, or dominate other people simply to get the result you're wanting rather than, than trusting God. So let me talk about break, breaking the curse of control, and I'm finished. How do you break out of the curse of control? Number one is submission to the Lordship of Jesus Christ. We ha- and, and I'm talking about as a married couple, Karen and I make every decision in our home together. You can't find one decision in the Evans household that we didn't make as a team. We talk, we're, and what I'm saying is, is we don't butt heads because we're both submitted to Jesus. I'm not trying to impose my will on Karen. Karen isn't trying to impose her will on me. We're trying to find the will of God. We are both submitted to the Lordship of Jesus Christ. Karen and I never talk about who the boss in our home is because Jesus Christ is the boss in our home. It's not Jimmy or Karen, it's Jesus Christ. And so how do we make decisions? First of all, we don't make each other pay a price for being honest. And if Karen walks up to me and says, Jimmy, you know, I'm thinking about doing this in the kitchen, what do you think? And I say, Karen, I don't agree with that. She doesn't say, well, I hope you're fine with eating out for a week or two. Don't beg me to cook for you in my kitchen I don't like, you know. So you're not gonna pay a price for disagreeing. Okay, so number one, I invite you to speak. Second thing, we're gonna pray. If this is a significant decision, we're gonna pray. We're gonna both hear God. I will not make a decision without Karen Evans. Why? Because she's my partner. We're better together. I have half the brain, she has half the brain. Together we have a whole brain. I need her to make good decisions. And so we're both submitted to Jesus and we seek him, we make great decisions together. And listen, I say this now, I want you to listen to me. I've never made a mistake in 43 years of marriage, I've never made a mistake, not one, when I made it with Jesus and Karen. But when I didn't have Jesus and Karen as a part of the equation, I made tons of mistakes. Number two way that you break the curse of control is being humble and having a servant heart toward other people. Just, you have to be humble and be a servant. You can't, you can't lord over other people. God doesn't give us that right, it's cursed. And, we, and God loves us, we're on our way to heaven. But I'm telling you, it, it, God will never bless that. Number three, communicating our needs, desires, and problems with others, and then trusting the results to God or those in authority. Is it, it, Women and men are equal. You have every right to say what you say to your spouse. But here's the million dollar question. Who's the enforcer, you or the Holy Spirit? And see, when we cross the line as husbands or wives is when I'm the enforcer. And I, I said something to you, what we should do is say it to our spouse. Now, if it's destructive behavior, you have to take it to another level. It, when you love a person, you don't watch him self-destruct. So if it's self-destructive behavior is hurting other people, you have to ramp it up, get some intervention, do something. But I'm talking about ordinary behavior. You go to your spouse and say this and this and this, and they say, ah, I don't agree with that. Go get in your prayer closet and seek Jesus on them. Okay, listen to me. The Holy Spirit is the spirit of truth. And if you're speaking the truth, he will be your partner to change your spouse. If it's not true, it doesn't need to be enforced. And there is that fractional, fractional possibility that you could be wrong. I know it's almost impossible, but it's possible. So you have to be careful. Here's number four. 
How do you break out of this? Righteously standing up to dominating and controlling people and not allowing them to abuse or dominate us. And if you've been controlled or dominated for a while, you have to flex that muscle. You have to flex the muscle of standing up righteously, not in a bad way, but Karen began to stand up to me. What do you mean? You won't talk to me like that. Don't talk to me like that. Don't talk to me like that. You can insist on respect. Don't talk to me like that. No, no. My voice is going up. When I get upset, my voice goes up. You can, you can insist on respect. And a lot of times, the, the reason that people control us is we let them. And they, they, uh, the, over a period of time, they, they understand we're not going to say anything. We're not going to do anything. People should know, especially if they abuse us, it ain't going to happen. I'm not a doormat. You're not going to treat me like that. And I'm not going to treat you like that, but I'm not going to let you walk all over me, but I'm going to be righteous about it. And number five, this is the last one, and I'm done. Submitting to each other in the fear of God. This is what Ephesians 5 says when it talks about the most revelatory text in the world concerning marriage is found in Ephesians 5. And it says, submitting to one another in the fear of Christ. Then it tells women how to submit to men. Then it tells men how to submit to women. A lot of times people will read Ephesians 5 and they think it's only talking to women. It's talking to men and women saying submit to one another in the fear of God. And what that means is both being, we ought to be very respectful to one another. We ought to treat each other with great respect. And so here's what I'm saying to you. In an emotionally healthy relationship, there's not control. There's respect. And we respect each other and we talk to each other in respectful ways. And because of that, we gain trust. You trust me because you know I'm gonna speak the truth to you, but I'm gonna do it righteously and I'm not gonna try to enforce it. And there's trust, there's intimacy, there's goodwill. But I ask you the poll, how many of you have been in a home where one parent dominated the other one? Most of you raised your hand and that means most of you had a mismodeling in this area. You saw control. And as a, a young boy growing up, if your father dominated your mother, you have to wake up and say, that's not right. If your mother dominated your father, that's not right. What's right? Respecting each other. Being equals the way that God made us. In Genesis chapter three, God pronounced a curse over two rebellious people. Now you're gonna try to dominate each other. That curse goes away in Jesus when we come and make him the Lord of our lives and make him the Lord of our marriages. Hey, this is Brent Evans with Exo Marriage. And I wanna thank you for listening to the Marriage Today podcast. We believe your marriage has a 100% chance of success if you do it God's way. If you enjoyed today's teaching and want to keep learning, hey, subscribe to the Marriage Today podcast and take some time to leave us a review. Your reviews help us spread the word and can encourage someone else in need. For more great marriage content, check out exomarriage.com where you can see all of our marriage building resources, articles, and live events.